When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with Rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode eight. Going to talk about some hot, cold, or over-underachieving hitters so far this season with some wonderful Bloom boards, as always. Going to do some recent news and much, much more, some listener questions to get you going on this fantasy baseball week. First off, you can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick, and my co-host, as always, on this wonderful endeavor on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan, how we doing, man? I am I'm living the dream this week, Bubba. I'm on vacation. I'm up in... Uh northern idaho my parents place just kind of hanging out with the kids and it's been it's been a fun week uh so that's why we're recording a bit early is i've got a i've got an afternoon tea time so you know just trying to juggle those priorities it's 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 tough living this week yeah it's tough tough i love it um i i I envy you i might try to sneak out this afternoon we'll see we'll see now now you got my my curiosity flowing i might have to go go play nine or something but uh yeah, Northern Idaho. You don't have a lot of golf time up there, so enjoy, they need to enjoy it while they yeah. can. That's for golf sure. Season, uh, golf season, like, just started, and you've got about got about three, three, four months, and then it'll snow will come again. But it's beautiful up here. There's lakes, yeah. mountains, golf courses. It's uh, it's a nice part of the country. Almost up in Canada, um, up yeah. in that little kind of tiny part of panhandle of idaho i love idaho i love it I, I i can't live in places with snow so i like it for like six months out of the year but uh that, that, that's when it, that's when it's good for me but uh let's talk some recent news here the yankees have had a slew of il situations and uh, we'll start with the big man himself giancarlo goes to the uh, il he has a uh, i believe it was a calf strain last i sh- checked but uh i'm double checking it here to let us know um yes they saw it originally a, calf and then yeah, i calf. think they said ankle which 
Yeah, actually doing ankle inflammation. Okay, yeah. I'd rather have the calf, personally. But, uh, yeah, ankle inflammation is what they're saying. So they're putting him on the IL. What's this do for you? Because Aaron Hicks has been horrible, and uh, it just kind of makes a messy situation worse, I think. Yeah, Aaron Hicks has been really terrible. He's one of those guys who I have on on a bunch of teams just because I thought, you know, when he's healthy, he's actually productive, love the lineup and that sort of thing. I've been kind of setting both. and forgetting him. And and yeah, it's it's not going well. So um the actually the the kind of a blast from the past kind of name, Miguel Andujar. Mm-hmm. is stepping in for Stanton and actually I believe went two for three Wednesday night with a steal. And so um, I actually wrote about him a couple of weeks ago for HQ for they would do like a skills looking for roles. And Andujar was one of those guys just because like such a weird career path 2018. I mean, we, we forget, but he hit 297 with 27 homers, 83 runs, 92 ribbies. Um, and Miguel Andujar still just 27 years old. So um, looks like he's going to get, so semi everyday run with Stanton out in the outfield. And so I, I would be all over him as a rental for next week, just because of the pedigree. I know it's been years since, uh, since he's been good, but Andujar still, like I said, age 27 and has ownership of that 2018 season. So um, if you're in a deeper league, someone with a pulse like that, with, uh, with the previous skills in a lineup like that um, is, is worth the target. Just, it's probably going to be shorter term. It doesn't sound like the Stanton news is, is super long-term, at least from what we're hearing. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a massive thing as you're saying, but uh, you never know with Stanton, <laughs> anything's possible. But um, you look at uh, Anuhar, he's hit multiple hits, two hits in two out of his last uh, three starts, which is good since he's got called up. So there is some uh, production there, as you said, and, um, the Yankees do play six games next week. I just wanted to bring it up now but before we keep talking. Next week's schedule is pretty crazy. You have the Cubs play nine games. Detroit, Milwaukee, Minnesota, and St. Louis all play eight games next week. Then you have like ten teams playing seven games. So at-bats will be a plenty in your deeper formats. Something to keep in mind as we talk about more players. But uh, Andujar is definitely a uh, an interesting option. Like you said, there, there is some pedigree there for sure. And you know, team, they haven't traded them before for, I guess, reasons. Maybe this is why they want to use them just in case. I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, the Yankees also finally, after everybody yelling from the skies to do it, put Aroldis Chapman on the IL. Um, you know, he was dealing with an Achilles issue and then uh, just kind of been banged up. He had some, like, I think tendonitis as well. It's just whatever report's been different every day with Aroldis Chapman. Basically, his velocity has been inconsistent and he's been struggling. So they've been trying to find a way to uh, to limit things. And that, that gets everybody's boy in the closers role now for New York. So what's your thoughts on that situation? Yeah. Um, kudos to anyone who jumped on Clay Holmes a couple of weeks early. You got a bunch of vulture wins, started to get a few saves, and it now looks like Clay Holmes is the man. Got a save Wednesday night against Baltimore and has the skills. I think I, I put this uh, in my article last week that he, I mean, Clay Holmes could be a top 10 closer. I mean, you've got the, you've got the gig on that team, which seemingly just wins every night. Well, until all these IL stints, uh, but for a manager for Aaron Boone, who is pretty kind of ironclad in keeping guys in roles. So um, Clay Holmes, I mean, the skills are just unbelievable. Uh, I, we, we don't need to kind of go into that too much, but like if, if Holmes is available, still available on your waiver wire and, and shallower leagues, I mean, he's worth, uh, the price of an elite closer right now. And it doesn't, I I mean, we'll see with Chapman, but um, I'm not so sure Chapman when he's back automatically goes back to 
the closer gig, just because like you said, Bubba, like the velocity has been down, the skills have been down and they've kind of, it almost seems like they're kind of just trying to make up injuries to give him a break. And um, so it, it, it doesn't sound good on the Chapman front and Clay Holmes is absolutely, uh, uh, you know, could be that game changer closer that we rarely find on the waiver wire. Yeah, he definitely could be. It's crazy. Cause I still like, part of me thinks Chapman will get back there at some point in time. They paid him the money. They want to use him and everything, but if he's not producing and Holmes is, and these guys have the best record in baseball, we know how the Yankees are. So they want to win pretty simple. And uh, they could maybe do something with Chapman somewhere else. We'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, Holmes is, is 100% worth every dollar you can probably put out there right now. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mad I wasn't as aggressive on him. Like I got him in some places, but not nearly enough. That's the uh, the fun part in that one. I remember early in AL Tout Wars, I think this was like the second or third uh, week of the season, fab run of the season. I had the choice of Clay Holmes and uh, Clark Schmidt. And guess which one I picked? Yeah. <laughs> Schmidt. Clark Schmidt. Yep. Do I forget that? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, those are the fun ones. Those are the fun ones. Those happen all the time around our wonderful game of fantasy baseball. Uh, Aaron Savali hits the IL with uh, left glute issues. Not supposed to be serious. Should be back soon, they say. But the only thing I have a question for you on, I've never even really heard of this guy, but Connor Pilkington is coming up to throw for Cleveland. Any interest in this situation? It's funny you say that because, like, as we were going through the rundown, like, we're on the same page. I was like, you couldn't, you could not have convinced me two days ago that uh, Connor Pilkington is an actual person. Sounds like you should be like in the Uh, new Downton Abbey movie or something. Yeah, like, yes, it totally sounds some fictional character from 1800s European movie, book, whatever. Uh, But he does exist, and we're going to see him pitch Thursday afternoon. I believe he's filling in for Savali today. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, we do have some scouting reports on Pilkington, which, again, further uh, reinforces the fact that he is a real person. Um, (laughs) Pretty lukewarm in in terms of the actual prospect pedigree. The the, the fastball, um, our prospect guys think, is, is, is below average with the ability to maybe have a couple plus secondary pitches, which is kind of a nice way of saying probably not fantasy relevant right now. We have his potential as a number four starter long-term that said, I mean, Cleveland is known for working with this type of pitcher, right? Uh, working with guys like a Bieber, a Plesak when Plesak was decent um, who don't have the greatest fastball in the world, but kind of pitch backwards and, and use those secondaries first before the fastball. So um, let's see how he does on Thursday, see how he looks. But as of now, Pilkington, given the uh, kind of the shorter term stint, it looks like with Savali, who's been just terrible this season, um, combine that shorter stint with a, a pretty mediocre prospect background. And I'm not too interested right now. He just seems like he could be one of those guys you pick up in fab for next week and, uh, and, and it blows up your ratios. Yeah, he seems like a trouble spot. That's for sure. So I just wanted to get your thoughts because I never heard of the guy. So that was fun, fun stuff there. Uh, and, Chris, I mean, we, yeah. we can we can you know we can act like experts and think we mm-hmm. know all this stuff, but yeah, I had no idea this guy existed a couple yep, of days ago. Yep. Pretty fun stuff there. Uh, Chris Bryant back to the IL. He's got a lingering back issue. He comes back for a few days and there it goes again. That's the problem with back issues. Like it just, mm-hmm. it's trouble, big time trouble. And the fact it's happening this early and often to Chris Bryant is very concerning to me. Um, yeah, I guess you just keep waiting it out with Chris Bryant, but it, it's tricky in this situation. So how are you handling the shuffle up in the, uh, the Rockies outfield? Four RBIs and, and two IL sticks yeah. for it's Chris bad. Bryant. I mean, that's, whew, 
That's really bad. Um, and like you said, I mean, that, yeah, this is the problem with back injuries. They not only can they recur, but they tend to linger. Like who knows with Bryant? I mean, he's only had 63 at bats this season. Who knows how many of those he's actually been fully healthy for. So um, yeah, Bubba, like you said, I mean, can't, if, if you're a Bryant owner, you're, you're not doing anything, even if you don't have IL spots like an NFPC league, you're, you're holding him just because that course production can be pretty sweet when the weather heats up in the summertime. So you're not really doing much uh, with Bryant. The kind of the fallout that we see is a little bit more like Jonathan Daza, uh, Connor mm-hmm. Joe. Uh, Randall Gritchick's been playing every day and then Blackman's been DHing a bunch. So uh, might be like Daza who yep. does a little bit for me near the top. He, he hits second on Wednesday um, with Connor Joe leading off pretty much every day the last few days. So those are probably the two big time gainers, but Daza is kind of like an empty batting average kind of guy. Um, if you just need someone for plate appearances, he, he, he could get you some hits with some counting stats, but the homers and steals aren't going to be there for him. Yeah, Daza was the one that stood out to me. I wrote him up actually last week, like a deep, deep option because they have, I believe, seven at Coors next week. And he's been hitting towards the top of that order, playing every day. Good batting average source, as you said, but not a whole lot else. So uh, if you're ever going to use him, next week's probably the week to do it. And uh, especially with Bryant out, that kind of clears that mess up as well. So he would be the guy I'd be looking at too. Um, Hunter Renfro goes to the IL with a hamstring injury. That's never ideal. But it's opened the door for Tyrone Taylor, someone people loved in the preseason before all the moves were made to bring Renfro in and kind of clog up Taylor's playing time. He's hit safely in five of the last six games that he's gotten to play in with three home runs, not striking out a ton either in this little stretch. So some regular playing time might be in store for Tyrone Taylor, Mr. Bloomfield. Big Bloomboards guy, Tyrone Taylor this offseason he came up on a bunch of boards i just i really like the kind of the package of above average contact semi-burgeoning power and some and some speed um and i remember when milwaukee signed mccutcheon i was like great then i had mccutcheon on a couple early teams we knew he was going to sign somewhere um but then i realized that kind of shut out um that kind of shut out Taylor. So Taylor's back. Renfro is obviously down. And I, I think I think Taylor is absolutely worth a, a pretty, pretty hefty fab bid, honestly, just because it, it does seem like with the hamstring that uh, uh, when Renfro is going to be back, not sure. Taylor has the tools, has the package to be to be pretty good in a, in a Milwaukee lineup that's been kind of kind of good um and that hasn't been the last few years so um big spot i'm going to be looking at taylor a bunch this weekend in, in fab leagues just because there's not many guys with that kind of package of, of pretty good power plate skills and a little bit of speed um you just don't find those guys that often on, on the waivers and in, in deep leagues yeah with you i think taylor's definitely worth a, a look this week and uh if he gets some serious run there it can make things fun in the end it's not going to be his job most likely but they can only play Lorenzo Kane for so long, right? Like that's just the way it should work in reality. But uh, I'm I guess surprised we'll Kane stayed this healthy for this long. So I, I thought yep. Taylor would get into a role before now, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I am surprised. Happens. I am surprised with you on that one. Um, Luis Robert, Robert is everywhere you learn. It's a different name. I think it's Robert, but that's what everyone keeps saying uh, on the COVID IL. The only reason I bring it up, I usually don't bring up COVID IL situations, but the reports are he has symptoms and he won't play until at least next week. And it could be one of those. We've seen some of these linger so far this season. So not a lot you can do, but more so kind of keep an idea. You know, Larry Garcia, Gavin Sheets should get some more playing time. 
any other takes you have on a uh, Lou Bob. Cause like I said, usually I don't bring these up because they're, they're, they're one day to like three weeks. Sometimes you never know. But this one seems like we have a little bit of a, like a 10 day window at least. Yeah. This was one where it was like right when they announced it, uh, they said at least a week. And so mm-hmm. um, has symptoms. And so, yeah, like that, that's, that's, it's not going to be one of those where suddenly he's just back, um, you know, this weekend or whatever. So um, you kind of covered the the fallout uh, Gavin sheets, Gavin sheets definitely interests me. I don't know how many you want to, you want to kind of look next week in terms of games for the white Sox, uh Cause sheets is more of a platoon guy, how many right-handers they face. But um, if, if the White Sox have a, have a um, right-hand heavy week, I, I definitely look at sheets outside of that. Uh, like Larry Garcia head doesn't, doesn't really do it for me uh, for a one week rental. So um, sheets are bust. If, um, if it's a righty heavy lineup for the, for the Sox next week. It's honestly amazing that uh, Larry Garcia just keeps getting so much run out there. He's, he's one of those, like, <laughs> I guess good real life players, but not fantasy, I guess. I don't know. It's really confusing with them. And if you look at the White Sox schedule, they face, Three righties and three lefties. So, yeah, that yeah, makes it fun. That, that's going to be tough because you're yeah. looking at maybe three games and a pinch hit, you know, pinch yeah. hit appearance or a couple of those from she's the one guy like I really was all over with Chicago entering the season was Josh Harrison. And I yeah. thought, you know, that's probably why Larry Garcia is playing is because Harrison's just been so terrible. Um, he is no longer on on many of my teams. I think I still have them in AL Tau just because that's so deep, but, uh, but that's been a disappointment and probably, uh, probably why I guess uh, Garcia is playing. Yeah. Aaron Hicks and Josh Harrison, you fit two guys that I've had lots of roster spots that are opened up now because of those two on my teams. So, yeah. We're having a, a good run. Both, so brother. Yep. Yeah. We were on this one together. All right. Let's talk bloom boards. Let's have some fun here. We got um, some over and underachieving bats based on a couple of metrics you're using. So as usual, you have the floor to explain to people what we are going to discuss. All right. Yeah. So I put these out, uh, or put one of these out last week. And so what we're going to look at this week is over and underperforming hitters. Um, but the point I want to drive home is the way that I'm looking at an over or underperforming hitter is how they're doing this season, 2022 compared to their previous season's baseline. And I think this is a a blind spot. And I I fall into this trap all the time where we only look at current year metrics and we, we look and we say player X has two home runs, but he has a barrel rate of 15%. Therefore um, he has deserved more home runs and probably will hit more in the future. That may be true. But we tend to fixate so much on just current year stuff. And, and I think something that gets lost is that skills can fluctuate just like stats can. So you can go in a on a heater and have, you know, 10 early home runs with a barrel rate that does support what you've done so far. Um, but if in the previous like three seasons you have not been a power hitter, you're far more likely to regress back down to what you've done as a personal baseline those last three years than continuing your current season pace going forward, even if the barrel rate uh, supports that. And same goes for the other side. I remember um, a couple of years ago, Paul Goldschmidt was just terrible for the first two years of the season. And the, the, I mean, the underlying power metrics were totally gone as well. Totally turn it around the rest of the year because we know Goldschmidt has that power baseline. And so what these bloom boards are is I'm comparing um, two of the main, what I call kind of kind of look factors for hitters, BABIP and, and Homer to fly ball. We've done a lot of research on 
at HQ and, and, and pretty much at this point everywhere has that a hitter establishes their own BABIP, a hitter establishes their own homer to fly ball rate over time, typically like two to three seasons. And so what I did for these is I compared uh, hitters last three seasons of BABIP and homer to fly, compared that to 2022 and looked at those uh, huge difference makers. Because again, the thought being, even though they may be super hot to start this season, um, if they're outperforming their own baseline from the previous three years, it's far more likely to fall back to kind of where they've been. That's a good point. We, we, we talk about regression a lot on the show, positive and negative. So it's a good way to kind of to look at uh, the potential regression candidates. And we'll talk about both sides of the spectrum as usual on this episode. But um, we'll start with a troublesome power hitter in Boston that a lot of people are hoping for a big, big season in one Bobby Dahlback who coming off Last year, towards the end of the season especially, we saw the, the strikeout rate start to fall. The contact skills were crazy good. Um, and this year, it's just been bad across the board. He's not striking out that much. 27% is pretty darn good for Bobby Dahlback. But, you know, he's only hitting a buck 59. He only had one home run so far this season. And you talked about some of his metrics, you know, in the previous three years, 25% home run to fly ball. This year, 3%. And his BABIP is down big time from 321 to 216. So are you are you thinking that we might see a better Bobby Dahlback or just like a hey something's broken Bobby Dahlback? I I don't know if we're gonna get the chance to see Dahlback. That's true. Cass is right there. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I, I think we've touched on Dahlback a, a couple of weeks ago, but like that's one of the like additional pieces of context that I love to throw on these boards is just like how how secure is that playing time? Uh, some of these other guys have the have the baseline and have been good for so long that they have a longer leash. Dahlbeck, I don't know with what with what Casas is doing in Triple uh, A. So I I think Dahlbeck is is near the end of his um, prolonged audition, and we are. I will admit we are we're probably going to have to wear this uh, over at HQ and the forecaster. We put an upside of fifty home runs on Dahlbeck, and um, it, that's looking like a really big miss. Uh, you know, it's obviously a little early, but it's not that early anymore. And just one home run, it's it's been a disaster. So um, I'm I'm definitely worried about Dahlbeck. Like I said, I just don't think he's going to get the chance to. Um, to turn this around, especially with Boston starting to hit, starting to heat up in a division that yes, the Yankees are kind of taking off. Um, but like we just covered, they've got a bunch of injuries and Boston's kind of in the running. So um, I think they're going to do everything they need to do to, to get productive hitters in the lineup every day. And that means Casas in Dahlbeck out. Um, I mean, the flip side of this is if, if, if Casas is available in a redraft league, obviously yep. dynasty keepers probably taken, uh, maybe you scoop him up a couple weeks early and uh, just kind of wait, hold him until he's up because uh, it doesn't look good for, for Mr. Uh, Mr. Dahlbeck right now. Yeah, I'm with you on the the if you can if you can somehow stash Casas right now, I'd be doing that in two seconds because he is doing disgusting things in the minor leagues. Like him and like Vinny P are are the guys that are just crushing everything, and at any moment are going to get they should get a call. So uh, keep those guys in mind. Uh, Jesse Winker, this is a conundrum. This is a guy that I know has been dropped in certain like twelve team NFBC leagues and other leagues. I haven't had the stones to drop him yet, but I haven't started him in a long time. Like I'm getting really frustrated with Jesse Winker. But um, the home run to fly ball is going from 24% to 4%. Uh, He's striking out only 14%, which isn't bad, but his barrel rate is down big time from the previous two seasons. Um, He looks lost up there to me, but at the same time, he's still walking a lot. So it's kind of like he sees it, but he's not hitting it right. So I'm torn on Jesse Winker. I know he could turn it around probably at some point in time. Uh, What's your thoughts on Winker? 
I, I yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot more um, in, not encouraged, but um, I, I'm definitely holding Winker. I, I think he's going to turn around. Like you said, Bubba, the the homer to fly ball rate the last three seasons for Winker has been 24. percent Like that's a pretty firm uh, baseline. Now I know some of that again context here. Some of that, all of that was done in uh, Great American Small Park, and now he's in Seattle. So the, the kind of a, a major park change is is driving a little bit of that. Uh, the thing, like you said, that that helps me with Winkers, I think he stays in the lineup. The play skills are great. The walk rate's great. The strikeout rate's great, like you said, Bubba. Um, so he's getting on base. Like a 314 on base isn't isn't anything special, but in this season with this ball, it's, it's not horrible. So um, give Winker time. I think once he adjusts, new environment, new park, that sort of thing, um, I, I think he'll be fine. He's been far too good for far too long, even with the park factor change. To, to cut bait even in like a 15 teamer I, I think you're you're absolutely or sorry in a, in a 12 teamer I think you're holding them I, I would not get too worried yet yeah that's where I'm at it's like one of these weeks I might have to make the tough decision but I'm trying everything I can not to because I've seen him go and then he you see some very sharp players spend a lot of money to pick him up the next week so mm-hmm. it's one of those if you can stomach it stomach it and another guy that I'm doing the same thing with is Nelson Cruz which is very frustrating Another guy that uh, the home run of fly ball, usually 28%, down to 11% this year. The BABIP's down um, closer to last season's BABIP than his three-year total because he struggled in Tampa Bay when he went over there as well. Still down from the Tampa Bay BABIP, but uh, it's close. But not striking out a ton. He's still barreling the ball, not to his norms. Um, I think he's been a little better of late, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, there are concerns, like his age finally catching up with him. Is this what it is, or is it the new the new place? being a little different it's tough to tell the whole story with Cruz least for me um yeah I'm not I'm not worried at all a lot of this was April driven uh Cruz hit 155 in April in 84 at bats in May he's been like like you said he's kind of turned on lately in May Cruz is hitting 314 with two homers 12 ribbies like you want to see a little bit more power in May but uh that's kind of nitpicking and the skills are just fine the strikeout rate is is fine the barrel rate is fine um those are both green on the little bloom board that we've got here so i i did overlay the 2022 skills just to give a little bit more context to what's driving kind of the current year uh downfalling and yeah cruise looks totally fine so if it you know age is a little bit of a concern but if it was an age-related collapse i think we would see that in the strikeout rate and the barrel rate and we're just not seeing that i think he's just been unlucky and uh starting to turn around in may and uh will be fine in my opinion the rest of the season i'm i'm really not i'm not worried about cruise one bit right now and to be fair i believe we can all agree we've seen a lot more uh, offense over the last couple of weeks so things are changing if it's baseballs if it's just weather something's changing and uh that might help nelly as well uh, we talked about grandall and muncie in, in a couple couple weeks ago so we don't have to go deep into them so I wanted to talk about Tyler O'Neill, though, because I've gotten a lot of questions on him. You've probably gotten questions on him, what to do with him. He's moved down to the order. He's on the IL now. There's a lot of concerns with Tyler O'Neill, and one of them is the home run of fly ball, the BABIP. You know, the batting average is always a concern coming into the year because it's not his norm. But uh, he's striking out 32% of the time, um, barrel rate of 11%. Uh, the strikeout rate's almost in line with last season, which leaves you a little bit of hope. But the BABIP's down nearly 100 points from last season and uh, a good chunk just from his three-year total as you mentioned. So uh, what are you doing with Tyler O'Neill? Because if you really look at it, his like hard hit rate and stuff mimics 19 and 20 or 21 could be an outlier with Tyler O'Neill. 
And that was so Tyler O'Neill was like one of the more polarizing guys because and I made I remember making this point at first pitch. He was one of the I was one of the fact and fluke panelists and Tyler O'Neill was uh, the point of some pretty spirited discussion because 2021 was great and 2021 was legit from a from a skill standpoint. Um, I made kind of the counter argument that, yes, that is true. But he was also if you look at the the numbers from 2018 to 2020, you have just enough of a sample where he was really, I mean, pretty terrible. And we're starting to see O'Neill go back to that way. So I agree, Bubba. Like I, I look now and I see 2021 as the outlier. Um, he's not going to be this bad, but the strikeout rate has always, um, always concerned me. And he needed kind of an elite uh, sprint speed, an elite power baseline to uh, maintain what he did last season. And it's just not there. Like when when I say outlier too, like 2019, Tyler O'Neill, even though he has plus power, a 14% homer to fly ball rate, slightly above average. Uh, Actually, probably in 2019, that was league average with the happy fun ball. 2020, 18%. So slightly above average. 2021, 26%. So yeah, like super growth, but the next number in that line is 6%. So um, that's obviously not going to stick. I think O'Neill has more power than that, but um, you're looking at maybe 20 homers this season. The rest of the year, we're projecting 18 homers, 11 steals and a 230 um, batting average at HQ. And that's, that's not going to get it done for an early round pick. So yeah, the, the strikeout rate and the regression coming back from last season, skill supported breakout is uh, are both pretty pretty worrisome signs for me. Yeah, definitely worrisome. And the other thing is, as we kind of mentioned it with Dahlbeck, the Cardinals have options. I'm not saying they're going to mm-hmm. bench Tyler O'Neill after last season, but there's options to platoon. There's options like they're not. If something's wrong, they can make moves. Like you have Yepes up there doing things. You already have Carlson's been up and down talent wise. Bader, you still have Newt Bar who they want to give a run. Like they have options in St. Louis. Which, if worse comes to worse, you know, it's like O'Neill, you're young, you got options too. <laughs> we can uh, move you around also if it's if it is a fluky situation. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. The thing I look at with 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 playing time and like and having other options is, yeah, you want to look at the other options for the team. I also look at OBP and OPS, and um, yep. those are real life kind of skill indicators. OBP for O'Neill, two fifty six and a five fifty yep. OPS. So it's been and the brutal. Cardinals are um, our professional ball club. Like they do things to a yep. book. So you got to like they're not worried about the flashiness as much as just let's go win some ball games and that's uh, something to think about uh marcus simeon i think we all can agree we did not oh. expect mvp marcus simeon but i think we can all agree we didn't expect this marcus simeon zero home runs thus zero home run fly ball that's pretty simple folks but um it's dropping from 16 uh, percent home run to fly ball the babips you know he's always been a low babip guy considering all things considered 224 is uh, is really really low to, to say the least and um, striking out, not bad. It's just, it's brutal. And I think one thing I saw um, someone mention before, lots of fly balls that just aren't leaving the park. So maybe it's a ball thing or maybe it's just a skills thing. I don't know. But what's your thoughts on Marcus Simeon? Uh, just total confusion, man. Like I have any player, like, yeah, um, no one, no one was like you just said. I mean, no one was expecting for. I mean, the ADP or forty-five home runs last year. The ADP was, I thought, by the end of draft season, Semien was like, I don't know, late third, maybe fourth rounder in fifteen-team leagues. I actually thought that was a pretty decent price for someone with his baseline, and has just completely. I, I have no explanation for how this is 
possible. Honestly, uh, we could sit here and, and, and make up things and look at skills like, but with someone with 600 plus at bats in 2018, 2019, and obviously not 2020, but in uh, 2021 as well, like he has one of the longer skill baselines of any player um, in the majors and it has just completely collapsed. I don't know what to do. Uh, I mean, if, if we are sticking with the theme that, he is better than this, and he's obvi- he obviously is. It's just how much better and how much are you kind of buying low. Then um, I think he's a reasonable buy low guy, but I don't – it's just – it's impossible to see how bad he's been. I mean, 185 with 10 home runs. He's at least got four steals, but um, this is – this is rough, and I, I would be lying if I knew exactly what to do. I mean, you're, if you drafted Semi, mean, you're obviously holding him. I just it, it, It's tough to even trade for him right now. There's just no production there. None at all. None at all, and his ground ball rate's risen 10% from last year. So it's yep. just, a, 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 just a bunch of problems all across the board with Marcus Simeon, not to mention a worse ballpark to hit in. It's just it's a slew of things Lineup. for Simeon. Yep um Javi Baez now this is a frustrating one because he's had like big Baez games and then not so big Baez games but his strikeout rates down to 25 percent which is his best since 2018 um which is pretty impressive only hitting 201 Babip's only at 253 this season three home runs uh you look at the metrics usually a 25 percent home run a fly ball guy only 10 percent uh eight percent barrel rates down from the norm for Baez, but uh, to me, like the improved strikeouts to me is something to look at the positive side when it comes to Javi Baez. Maybe I'm trying to be too optimistic, Ryan. Um, that that that's that's a huge positive, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I almost just want him to go back to what he was, which was free a free swinging. swinger who didn't really care, right? Exactly, and um, and and ran like the the big red flag for me with Baez is, I mean, he has not even attempted a stolen base this year. Um, and I don't know if that's a Detroit philosophy thing. I don't know what's driving that, but you pair that, that zero attempts with the new team and and perhaps that new philosophy. And I'm, I'm really worried from a fantasy standpoint that once those, once those bags are gone, Baez's uh, profile gets, gets pretty rough. Um, so that's, that's the part for me that is is most concerning is if those steals don't come back. Uh, he's a real streaky player. Like we saw how bad he was in 2020 um, in those two months where he hit 203, eight homers and three steals for the season and then, and then did what he did last year. Um, but he can be streaky as long as he's running. If, if he's not running, I'm, I'm really concerned. And, um, and yeah, no, no stolen base attempts. Just that totally pops out at me as like as a complete red flag right now. That is a red flag. That is definitely a red flag. And that, that Tigers team, there are some red flags there. Robbie Grossman's struggling tremendously. Oh, Scope might yep. be heating up. Like there's, there's some slow goes there. Maybe the weather. Let's, let's, let's try to see if things get warmer and things get better. But yeah, no, no steals is a, is a concern with Javi Baez. Uh, Mr. Joseph Votto. Uh, came back from the COVID IL and all of a sudden we heard how to hit a baseball again. This is fun. Mm-hmm. He's uh, since his return, he's hit safely in five of six games with five extra base hits, including two home runs, striking out only 17% of the time. But what you care about here is the home run to fly ball still down, given it's probably jumped a bunch just in the last few days for Votto. But um, the bad ups down to 260 or to 211 compared to 290 uh, and a 29% K rate. But like I said, since he's come back down to 17%. So I think we're doing okay with uh, Joey Votto, Ryan. I agree. Uh, I, honestly, I, I, we mentioned this on the last show that, like, you, you know, I mean, you never want to see someone go on the COVID IL, but that was probably a 
the you know the best possible timing for that just to just to have Otto totally clear his head he did some cool stuff on his um on his rehab assignment with some of the minor league teams uh that was cool to see and maybe maybe it was just him clearing his head and just getting back to getting back to baseball because it hasn't been that fun of a season um in Cincinnati so um I'm not worried at all though the one thing that um that's interesting with Votto and just you know kind of one reason why you you, you look at these bloom boards and you, and you, you, you still need to look at context is like Votto completely changed his approach in 2021. Um, went for that fly ball stroke, went for more strikeouts. And so, and that was kind of a calculated thing that he did. So given that information, I'm a little bit less likely to look at like the 2019, 2020 baseline, but because it, it was a different hitter and Votto basically admitted that. So um, that is one thing where like, I, I expect him to kind of go back more to 2021 the rest of the way, especially if, uh, if, if this hot streak continues, it was, it was a good time to see that. Good to see him back. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried, but uh, that is one thing like with, with your three-year baseline, is these players can change and and kind of keep an eye out for things like hidden injuries or different uh, different uh, approach changes, uh, new stances or, or whatever um, that may kind of validate one year over um, over the others. Yeah, we might get another summer of Joey Votto coming up here. I just, just it feels like he's starting to get comfortable again. So I'd be all about that train. Uh, a couple more here before we get to the the, the positive side of things. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel, another guy I loved this draft season just for the you know the batting average upside, 20-ish home runs or so. Well, he's got two homers and two steals so far this year, and um, he's got a 225 batting average. That goes with a 261 Babbitt, which is uh, down from his usual 318, and a home run to fly ball of 4% down from his usual 18%. Not striking out a ton, though, which is great. And you look deeper, his barrel rate is like half of his normal barrel rate, while his hard hit rate's better than most seasons' hard hit rates for him. So to me, he's just not squaring the ball up is the way I look at things very well. But um, what's your thoughts on Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, the, the actual – I'm seeing the same thing, the kind of quality contact's okay. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not that worried. It's, it's been, man, it's been a rough year for Toronto offense wise. Um, and Goriel has certainly been a part of that, but, uh, but yeah, he's not the only one struggling in, in Toronto. I mean, even like Vlad jr. In May is hitting 240, two homers, six RBIs highs uh, for the month, which is, which is pretty rough, but, um, but yeah, with Goriel, like, I think there's enough of a, of a baseline there. And like you said, the strikeouts are, 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 are fine. They, they are what they've been in the past. I think it's more just like you said, Bubba, squaring it up at the right time. The, the, the hard hit stuff looks, looks fine. It's just not when he's actually hitting fly balls. And so I think that's going to correct. I don't see any, any major red flags with Goriel right now. Um, so I would be looking to buy low on him, especially. I I I would imagine some Guriel managers are getting a little bit frustrated. And this is about the time of year, like right around Memorial Day, where um, it's early enough where early slumps can can turn around, but it's also late enough where people are uh, um, willing to kind of sell low uh, on these guys. So Guriel, Guriel, I think will be fine, and I think he's a he's a fine target once that Toronto machine um, starts revving up here this summer. Which it will, which it definitely will. It's like Guriel, yeah. T. Oscar. There's a few guys. Like they've mm-hmm. all been struggling. So go enjoy, uh, enjoy your fun while you can. Uh, we have a few more here. I don't. If you want to hit on them, go for it. We talked about Grisham a couple weeks ago, yeah. um, but Jose Abreu he started to heat up here the last few days. Mitch Garver's homeward in back-to-back games. I think those are positives. And you have Ahmed Rosario, who most people loved, zero home runs as well, but he's not striking out a ton. 
So any thoughts on uh, those before we head to the other side of the spectrum? Not too much. I mean, Rosario is the one who I, I, I vouched for Rosario uh, this preseason. And yeah, it hasn't been that great, but the, the, the strikeout rate is actually like elite. He's running, um, just hasn't laid in any homers. So I, I think he'll be fine. He's got a 59% ground ball rate. I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't roster Rosario for, um, for the homers, but that high of a ground ball rate with a 20% line drive, like that's, that's pretty good. And so he should, that BABIP should come up considerably here going forward. So I would expect Rosario to go back to being like a 260, 270 hitter. And then once he gets on base a little bit more because of that, um, he's still running. So uh, the bags will pick up, but, uh, but that's the only one who I really wanted to kind of touch on. Like you said, Garber just, just hit a couple bombs and Brayu really stood out as like, that was an obvious one. When I first put this out, people were like, yeah, Brayu is, Brayu is like the guy and Cruz was kind of the other one, but Brayu was like, everything looks fine with him and he's starting to turn around too. So there's a trend there with like Abreu and Cruz and even Lourdes, their teams as a whole have been struggling. So just, and they're all really good teams. So, well, not so much the Nats, but it's like you have a chance these guys to all start clicking and, uh, and mm-hmm. not worry about things at the same time. All right, let's look at the positive side of things here. We'll start with Josh Naylor, the helmet throwing King. Um, 12% home run to fly ball previous three seasons, 27% this year. Hitting a, a couple in, in, in extra innings helps a ton there in your like third game of the year. Babbitt at 291, usually up to 308 this year, so not a big discrepancy, but not striking out a ton and a, a barrel rate that's about 4 to 5% above the norm. So you're expecting some regression, but as a whole, for me, if you look at the whole scheme of things, and like we talked about context before, what Naylor was like two years ago compared to what he was last year before he got hurt were two different hitters to me. Before he got hurt last year, is more what we're seeing now than what we was the previous two seasons. So I'm a Naylor believer, maybe not to this level, but I think he's still be pretty darn good. And that and that's exactly like what I was saying with with context and and you know some of these numbers can be scarred by you know playing hurt or before or after injuries. Like those are the things that if you really want to, and that's what I always preach with these boards is like that's the start of a deeper dive. Um, and that's exactly what I mean with Naylor. So um, I, I I pretty much agree. I, I yeah, he's not going to hold a twenty seven percent homer to fly. The thing with the Babip and when I was putting these boards together, it was interesting. There's just not many guys that have an increase of Babip. Uh, this season, just because the league wide BABIP is down. So even Josh Naylor, like holding his own BABIP or even going up like 20 points, that's compared to the league average, that's really good. Um, so strikeout rates elite. It's just, you know, I, so I think the batting average of anything is gonna, is gonna hold. I do think he can kind of float around 300. I just think there's enough contact there with the better batted ball quality. I just, I don't know about the, you know, the homers, it's a a 31% fly ball rate. Like he just, he's, he's not a kind of a true power hitter, which is fine. Um, I mean, that just usually means that you have a better batting average. So um, I'm thinking maybe like 290 with, I don't know, maybe 20 homers for the entire season. So maybe 15 more the rest of the way for Naylor, Um, a great find, a great pickup playing every day. And um, so, but yeah, just don't, don't expect the the 27% homer to fly. And whenever it's more than double, your uh previous baseline that is um it's i say that's not a good thing it's a good thing because those stats are banked and you have those homers on your team but in terms of going forward that's that's not a good thing yeah not sustainable as they say exactly. uh kevin kiermeyer talking about doubling up your home run a fly ball usually a 12 percenter he's up to 24 percent this year his barrel rate's close to nine percent when it's usually around four to five percent um, but he's still striking out a good amount, and he's uh, and he's running a little bit too. So he's doing the things you want from Kiermaier. 
But to me, he's overachieving a bit. That's what I'm worried about here. So what are you buying in on with Kevin Kiermaier or are you buying in at all? Yeah, I'm just I'm just shocked he's still playing every day uh, this late into the season. Um, and that's kind of been the thing with Kiermaier is like, do we really even know who the true Kevin Kiermaier is? Just because like he's always hurt, uh, either playing hurt or, you know, playing for a couple of weeks and going on the aisle. Like how long has he actually had a prolonged stretch where he can actually kind of show what he does? The last time we really saw that was in 2019. Again, happy fun ball year, but hit 14 homers with 19 steals, only hit 228. Um, he's way over his, his power ceiling, like for sure. 24% homer to fly. That's just not going to, to do it. His career is 12%. Like that, that's coming back down. That's going to crash hard. Um, but the contact is decent. He's hitting line drive, 24% line drive rate. So, uh, that batting average looks really good. And like you said, Bubba, he's, he's running, which is the main draw. I think with, uh, with Kiermaier is he's running at least a little bit. So, um, I think he could end up maybe like a 15, 15 guy, uh, hitting 240, 250, assuming he stays on the field, which is which is a big assumption. But um, but but yeah, that's kind of where I stay with him. Is I'm just surprised he's he's still churning. But I love to see it because he's 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 a heck of a lot of fun to watch. It's crazy thinking the Rays could have Kiermaier, Margot, and Rose Rain all go like 15, 15. That's a pretty mm-hmm. interesting fantasy outlook there in the outfield with that yep. team. Uh, Jose Altuve. He's been swinging a very powerful bat. Nine homers, stolen two bases, which actually stands out to me because it feels like you're just waiting for him to never run again, and he keeps running a little bit. But um, the home run of fly ball is up 11% from the norms of 29%. Babbitt's almost in line with the pass, which is promising, not striking out a ton. Barrel rate's pretty close to at least last season's barrel rate. Um, I think this is just who Altuve is to me. He's just a hitter, and he's kind of flexing more on his power side than his, you know, let's hit for average side of things. So I think we're kind of I think we're kind of seeing business as usual for Jose Altuve. Yeah, I mean this is a guy who hit 31 homers in 2019 and did it again last season, hit 31 homers. So um, it's amazing to see it. Yeah, 27 homer to 27 percent homer to fly. That's probably not going to stick. The only time he's been above 20 percent was Happy Fun Ball Year 2019. But um, you're right; like he can kind of do what he wants. Um, he's we we've, he's shown that he can morph into a high contact speed guy earlier in his career to what we've seen lately, which is a few more Ks, but still a really good strikeout rate and and selling out for that power in the park. Again, uh, the Crawford boxes in Houston better really help him as a right-handed hitter. So um, I like a lot of what Altuve's done. You're obviously riding him. I think you're even buying high on him. You know, I, I don't think he's going to keep this pace of, of 35 home runs or whatever he's at, but, um, but everything looks great. And like you said, Bubba, even just if, even if he can get like five to 10 bags, which is what he's on pace for, um, that would be huge. Cause that's something that I thought was kind of falling off the map um, at his age. And given kind of the, the history of leg issues that Altuve's had. Because I guarantee you, if going into draft season, if you said Altuve's hitting 25 to 30 and getting you 5 to 10 steals, he's probably going another round or two earlier at least. Because I think one of the reasons he fell so much, because he he always felt like that kind of safe pick at second, just because, you know, okay, average, give me some power, but he's not going to run, so that's why he's going so deep. If you get a locked in close to 10 stolen bases, you'd be like, yep, he's moving up that board in a big, like a hurry, hurry. So that's one of those picks that could uh, be, be a big one for you. And Altuve was like, I remember the second base, I believe it was a six round ADP in main event league. Yeah, second base, like there were, I'm looking this up, there was a huge cluster of guys. Well, my boy was right there. in there. 
it was uh yeah it was it's kind of funny we've we've talked on a few of them already is adp of 58 so kind of leading that charge was Semyon. um javi baez at 68 your boy jazz at 79 brandon low 83 polanco 83 catel Marte, india and then altuve at 91 the last uh, one off the board yeah man it's just it's funny like the ADP on these guys was, you know, the market was pretty much dead even. And if you took Marte or India or low bias, you're hurting. If you took, yeah. uh, if you took jazz, if you took Edmund, if you took Altuve, you're feeling damn good. It's just funny to kind of look back and see um, oh, that's how so fun- tightly bunched these guys were. That's what's so fun and frustrating about this at the same time, Ryan. Cause like we all do our research. We all know the pros and cons of everybody. And then when mm-hmm. you're in a draft, it's like, okay, well this guy that I wanted just got taken. So I'm going to take, you know, I, I, I'm, ah, Jazz just got taken. Okay, I'll take India because I, I like India a lot. Well, India's the one that got hurt. It's just like, <laughs> there it goes. Funny. And it works both yeah. ways, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it, oh, yeah. like, oh I, really wanted, I really wanted India. He got taken. I guess I'll settle jazz. for Jazz, who I don't really like, but second base falls off a cliff. And, like, yeah. we don't admit that maybe we're, you know, lucky's better than good. But that, that has happened to me, too, where I have, I've been sniped and I've settled for someone else. And that someone else has, uh, actually been pretty damn good yep yep it's a beautiful thing i don't think we need to talk about aaron judge and mookie Betts. they're both just doing ungodly oh. things at the plate right now like it's yeah. just ridiculous let's let's just have a real quick does aaron judge hit more than 60 home runs this year <laughs> he's got 17 uh, already yeah I'll, i mean i'll say no but 60 is a lot be, it's it's gonna be damn fun to watch yeah it's he's gotta stay healthy but man whew be fun i do wonder with bets like remember he was i mean he was awful for oh yeah i wrote up i wrote up to sell him yes this is a good one i had already you thought well i mean the thing with him was not just the slow start but it was the hip with the slow start yep um and i i mean i took bets in the first round of my main event and this year and i was i was worried i was legitimately like is this even the same guy um that we saw two three years ago and wow yeah, uh, how, it just takes a little bit to get loose, and here he goes. So it's uh, the Dodgers are heating up too. Trey's got his third home run. It's gonna be a being a Giants fan is not gonna be fun this summer. I can see it coming a mile away. But uh, this one's fun because the catching landscape is boring and as annoying as it is, there's a lot of ways to churn and burn the catching landscape. And Max Stassi's like was a catcher two target of mine if I has punted catchers because he's got power, and you don't expect a whole lot more. And like for instance, his average isn't great. He's hitting two seventeen. He's got three hundred BABIP which is interesting compared to his 285. So I'm going to fly balls 25% this year compared to his 18. He's got three homers. But the things that stand out to me, the barrel rate and the hard hit rate are through the roof compared to his norm. What's your thoughts on Max Stassi? Because even the X stats, which we've talked about a few episodes ago, that I kind of take with a grain of salt, they're all thinking he should be much better than he is right now. So this is an interesting one for me. I think he's like a launch angle tweak away from being really good. Like a, a three homers, 25% homer to fly, but a 60% ground ball rate. Um, I, and I've always, I've always said this. I know at, at first pitch, you know, Saris has said this as well. Like you obviously you need two things to be a power bat. You, you need to hit the ball hard and hit it in the air. One of those two is a lot more teachable. Um, and that's learning to hit it in the air. You can't really teach raw power you kind of either have it or you don't it's a lot easier to tweak your long launch angle than to uh just start hitting the ball harder so um stassi again like yeah you mentioned two catcher landscape you would just want anyone who's playing uh with a pulse and this power definitely has a pulse i mean the strikeout rates it's it's pretty brutal but um compared to where you're looking at with everyone else it's you know he's 
not wait, not that far off. So um, interesting, interesting guy uh, that, cause the homer to fly ball rate, 2020, 26%, 2021, it was 22% and 25% this year again. So it's kind of right there where it's been. So um, yeah, he's not someone he who I was healthy. all over, but he just has yeah, to stay healthy. Yep. That's his biggest problem. It's crazy. Exactly. Uh, Gene Segura. I know a guy we both, we both liked a little bit going into the season. Um, Love what I'm seeing from Gene Segura. Six homers, six stolen bases so far. Uh, 16% home run of fly ball, not too far off the 11%. The Babbitt's almost in line with the past. Uh, when you look deeper on his page, like his barrel rate and his strikeout rate, they're all, for the most part, nothing's too egregious, to say the least. So I like what I'm seeing with Gene. Am I uh, missing something here, Ryan? Not really. You know, it's it's funny. Like we were just talking about how um, you can get sniped and fall into someone else and Gene Segura for me was someone who was like, I'll just take him late because he's going to play every day with some multi-position eligibility. I'm not really expecting a whole lot, but I like the lineup and the, and the, and the plate appearances. And he has taken that. And he, I think he's one of like six or seven guys that have six homers and six deals. Yep. Um, which is pretty damn good where he was going in drafts around the 280p. Um, I think we've seen the best of Gene Segura this this season. I mean, if we're talking about going forward, um, I mean, he's almost where he was at in uh, the 2020 season. So uh, we've seen the best of him, but that doesn't mean he can't be damn productive. Just because that lineup is so good, he makes a ton of contact. He's going to fall into some homers, and he does have a little bit more of a green light than he's had in previous years, and he's making use of it going six for seven on uh, on steel, stolen bases. So, um, yeah, everything looks everything looks good for Gene the Hit Machine. Real quick, I meant to ask you this last week. Um the Bryce Harper news about him playing through his torn UCL as the DH for like six to eight more weeks. Do you have any concerns over this? Because he's crushing baseballs with it, but it's like, I don't know, I guess something bad. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I almost have like kind of a Tatis vibe from a couple years ago where at just any moment this could yep. fall apart. Um, I mean, you can't, can't argue with what he's doing on, on, on the field. Um, Thank God for the NLDH this year because that yes. would be a shame to miss out on what we're seeing from Harper. Definitely, I'm with you. Let's go J.P. Crawford here. Um, you know, the, the home run to fly balls up to 11% compared to his norm of 6% over the last three years. Babbitt's much higher than it's been in recent years. But last year in 2020, it was 320. So the 330 this year is not too far off. But um, 16% K rate is pretty nice. That's pretty much in line with the last three seasons. It's weird with J.P. Crawford. You don't expect like a massive power bat, but if you look just at his overall quality of contact, his profile, a lot of similarities to the last couple of seasons. So are you uh, believing in this J.P. Crawford that we're seeing? Uh, not really. I think a lot of this power is just front loaded. What I, what I really wanted to see JP Crawford do is run and it's still not happening. Um, he's only attempted two steals all season, despite a 380 on base percentage. So, um, that's what I really, and that's what we were hoping for in the forecaster. We put an upside of 20 stolen bases on Crawford, uh, just if that green light ever came on and it's not. And so, yeah, I, I don't really believe in the power spike. I think, I think we've Crawford has shown us who he is um, over the last few seasons. And that's really more of just an empty batting average guy who's going to rack up plate appearances, which again, isn't the worst thing in the world in deeper leagues, but I don't, uh, I'm not believing in the early, uh, early four homers. I think that's, um, that's going to be front load. I think he's going to struggle to, to get double digits this year. 
Brett Phillips made the list here. I didn't know Brett Phillips played enough to make a list. So talk to me about Brett Phillips. I know he's been hitting the ball well when he's been playing. That's why he's on the list. He has been doing that. And maybe with the injuries, he can find some more playing time. But talk to me about Brett Phillips. I might have might have had him on my filters. I might have put innings pitched instead of uh, <laughs> instead of, of at bats, and now that's how he got in here. Um, I mean, four homers, six steals. Yeah, and he's, he's been productive like when crazy. he's out there. Yeah, exactly. Six homer or sorry, six for six on. So he hasn't been thrown out yet. Um, the contact rate is atrocious. He's a platoon player, uh, so you got to keep that in mind. But in weeks where Tampa's facing right-handed pitching. Um, he, he's, he's a must start for me. Um, again, just cause like, yeah, the play skills are rough, but in fantasy, we, we need steals and, and that's, that's happening. And 22% homer to fly ball rate last season, 24% this year. Like it's not that far off from where we've seen him last year. So, um, surprising, like you said, uh, that he even has enough play, uh, plate appearances to even make this list, but, um, he's there and, and kind of like a, like a, I don't know, almost like a Steven Souza before he yeah. was. Oh, there's a flash before he was here, just a total. Yeah, exactly. Where he was just like a total batting average sink, but at least had the power speed. So, and next week the Rays five of seven games versus right-handed pitching. They start off the week uh, with four against Texas, only two righties in that matchup, and then they finish three against the White Sox. But one of those is Cease, and one of those is Kopech. So, pick your poisons, but he should he should be in the lineup for five games next week, which is uh, yep. interesting in your deeper formats. Uh, a couple other guys here. We have Brandon Drury. Yeah. Brandon Drury, CJ Cron, Randall Gritchick, Dalton Varsho. Any thoughts on those guys? You know, I got Cron leading the world in home runs or close to it in the National League. Varsho's just been amazing. Um, thoughts on any of those guys? Uh, just just love King Cron. Uh, it's awesome to see him. He's he's totally, I mean, typically been a, a slow starter, and he's obviously not this season. I don't, the, the batting average is unsustainable. The power, uh, I think he could lead the national league in home runs. The power is legit. Uh, 314 batting average so far is, is I think way over his head. Um, but we're projecting at HQ for the, for the full season of 285. So that's probably like, I don't know, 275 batting average guy the rest of the way. Obviously you're, you're rolling him out there all the time. Um, Brandon Drury, someone who I, who I've talked about before, um, just getting playing time on a bad team and eligible pretty much everywhere. Um, always like where he was at, back when he was in Arizona, just never got a chance to shine. So again, a little bit over his head, just like all these guys, but um, has the, has the barrel rate and has the strikeout rate that we've seen this year from Drury to at least keep some of this going, uh, going forward. So keep going with Drury. I think he's even, you know, injuries kind of forced his way into Cincinnati's lineup, but um, he has made quite the case to stay there once everyone's back and healthy. I think it was a sign the the second we started recording. I have the Cubs Reds game on TV here, and Brandon Drury immediately hit an RBI single. So I was just like, "Yep, yep, that that that's Bloomy's guy." So there we go. All right, let's hit up some listener questions before we uh, head on out of here and get Ryan to the links where he deserves to go enjoy his time. Um, Our buddy Carlos Marcano, great guy, smart guy. Um, He asks, "Why does Alex Cobb hate me and gets derailed when I need him the most?" He's doing it to everybody. Carlos, and it's also his defense that's doing it to you. That's all I'm going to say. So that happens when you have a what is it, sixty percent ground ball rate and yeah. a super high BABIP. Like that's that's it's it's unbelievable to me how uh, the divide in in Alex Cobb's skills versus stats. We've got a two eighty x ERA yep. 
on Cobb this season with a 625 surface ERA. It's nuts. Um, I I should look this up if I was at home. I would. Um, How many guys have a a 20% strike uh, strikeout minus walk rate with a 60% ground ball rate? Uh, Just even in the last few years, like that. That is such a hard combination. Of, of strikeout dominance, of walk suppression, and of keeping the ball on the ground. He's doing that, yet has a, a ERA over six. Um, I'm absolutely all over. I, I think Alex Cobb's going to be great the rest of the season. Um, everything looks great. Velocity's up, swing strike rate's up, first pitch strike rate's up. And so all those sub indicators look great. This is just this is just a brutal case of, of BABIP and bad defense and just bad uh events happening when runners are on base and that stuff tends to straighten out over time but I, i'd be interested in your take especially on some of the the de- on the defensive side because that that has looked brutal from afar yeah i'm with you like, i'd be buying him everywhere i could i know it seems simple but you just look at all the stats like you mentioned he's just pitching ridiculous and the results are not there i was at the game against the nats where they scored five, he didn't get through the first inning and um ended up they changed it back to only one and run out of the five but I watched it. It was like they shifted, and so they they beat the shift on like a weak ground ball, and then there was another ground ball that went under the third baseman's glove, and then there was this bloop here. It's just like one thing. I, there wasn't a hard hit ball to like the eighth guy. It was just crazy watching it take place. And then the other night against the Mets, it was infield single, infield single, blooper that should have been caught by Darren Ruff, and then it turned into a home run to um, to Pete Alonso. So it was just like, it, and that's how his season's been going. Just so many screwy things that I think he's going to be a hundred percent fine. And you just keep rolling with it because it's, it's going to be a fun, fun run when he he puts together five or six starts in a row. You're just like, okay, that's more like it. It's going to be really good. The only, I mean, the only thing like that I didn't mention, I, I that that I agree. The only thing is like with Cobb, you know, like time's ticking. Like you oh. know, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get hurt. So like, how many more starts does he have to kind of right the ship? Uh, that's a, that's a great oh, point. That's one thing. That's a great point. Uh, Kevin Alvis asks, how do you see the Twins roster playing out over the next month, and what are the fantasy implications? Any chance Royce Lewis gets the call for an everyday job? I think if Jose Miranda keeps struggling, Royce Lewis better get a call for an everyday job. But uh, yeah. I, I don't even know why he got sent back down the way he's still playing, but that's a whole other story. So what's your thoughts? Yep. Um, yeah, it's a tough roster. They just have had so many injuries with uh, Kirilov, with obviously Buxton's been been in and out a little bit. Uh, Larnak's been hurt, but then Larnak looked, looked pretty good yesterday. And then obviously Royce Lewis going down. Yeah, like Royce Lewis is, needs to be up. He's 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 never going to supplant Correa at shortstop, but uh, they Minnesota can move pieces around uh, with the DH and yeah, with uh uh, with some of those other struggles. So I, I think Lewis will be back up shortly. Obviously there's no, there, there's very little kind of service time stuff that, you know, they've already called him up. He's already played that clock's ticking. So um, why not? Yeah. Bench Miranda, who has been, who has been terrible. 182 OBP stick Lewis in there. I, I see how that, how that goes. And, I, and just one other thing like Larnack, uh, Trevor Larnack, I, I, I am really high on um, just had some injuries at the wrong time, kind of got overshadowed as a prospect by Kirilov just because Kirilov uh, was so good coming up in the minors before all the wrist injury stuff. But I think Larnack can be kind of a sneaky um, power batting average guy in the middle of that lineup. So um, yeah, would love to see Royce Lewis back uh, quickly because that's good for the game. Yeah, where I was able to grab Royce Lewis, I still kept him for now because I, I really think he yeah. should be back soon because I know the second I drop him, he'll be back. I'll have to pay a fortune to get him. So 
Um, yeah, I hope he's back soon. And I like the Larnack call. I, I rostered him like everywhere last year. I could get him. He went deep yesterday. So there is something to like there in that bat. He's got some decent OBP skills too for a young ball player. So that's very promising. Uh, Little Book of Calm says or asks, I know it's a good problem to have, but if one if one team is in the top four in every roto category, how does that change your approach to Fab? How do you decide who to target? Doing nothing feels wrong, but I also don't find myself needing to spend. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm trying to think if I've ever been in that situation (laughs) in every category, top four. Um, That's awesome. And so, but yeah, I mean, it is like there. So there's an aspect of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you always want to be improving, and especially this early in the season. Like, I think it's way too early to even look at. I know this wasn't the question, but it's way too early to say I'm I'm good in power, but I'm behind in speed. Like, uh, there's just so much time to go. Uh, before these categories really start to to iron out um so yeah i think there is uh, especially with your starting lineup keep that going but you always want to be churning the back end of your roster and have you want to make sure you have enough coverage for when those injuries hit you always want to make sure you've got coverage at every spot and then if you do have um any leftover spots from there that's what I like to use on my stashes or picking up a, like a Clay Holmes who we talked about picking him up a month ago. Um, those are the kinds of things you want to keep. You want to keep at because even though your roster looks good now, those injuries are going to come and you need to be prepared. So um, yeah, great, great spot to have. Don't be complacent, but also don't just make moves for the sake of making moves. Yeah. Don't force the move, but there's always ways to improve. It's basically the way to look at it. Yep. That's definitely something to think about. And then the last question from the good doctor, Mike Carter, he says, who is one underperforming hitter you're targeting right now in redraft leagues? Uh, one guy on the list who we did not talk about, uh, Max Muncy. Max Muncy, man. I, I, I just, it's been so bad. 150 batting average, three home runs. Um, but the, the, the skills are there. The baseline is there. I'm not really not worried. If the skills were down, I'd be a lot more worried, but that, that something's wrong with the elbow with what happened at the end of last season. Um, but the barrel rate strikeout rate are great. And just the results are not there. You pile on the top of that, you pile on a 24% homer to fly ball rate the last three seasons and a BABIP that is 75 points higher the last three seasons than it is this season. Um, I think Max Muncy, every sign points to a, a pretty good summer from him. Yeah, that'd be a guy that would just make my Giants fandom even funner. So, um, <laughs> but for me, I think one of the guys we right. hit on all, I like the Lourdes Gurriel thoughts quite a bit. I think that's one to definitely go try to get him and Nelson Cruz. If guys are annoyed by those guys, I'd uh, I'd be jumping on them in a, a heartbeat because I've been saving them everywhere, hoping they'll turn things around. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's it, we I kept I think we've all preached, you know, get through May before you start making any tragic decisions, and we're getting towards the end of May now. So now it's time to start. Mm-hmm. You're going to start making some moves here pretty soon. And, you know, you're going to have to live with the consequences one way or another. But yeah, he stuck it out because a lot of people like the Whit Merrifield and a bunch of guys have had questions on. They're starting to turn it on again. They're doing their thing. So you just got to be patient with these guys. Like Joey Votto all of a sudden has taken one week. Look at Trevor Story, the best example. Like if people didn't look at game logs, you'd think he's having a great season right now, folks. Like it's just it's as simple as that. So just kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This time last year, and I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but Freddie Freeman is the ultimate example for yep. me. Um, yep. This time last year, Freddie Freeman was hitting 235 yep. and ended up, uh, yeah, being Freddie Freeman. So it's it's it feels like it's time to panic, but um, and, and their sense of urgency is growing, 
but um, especially with these guys with these track records, just just ride it out. Two months is not is not that long. So, and I, I have I have a hunch if you look at your entire team, they're probably not the only reason your team is struggling. So maybe there's a different spot you can make a move and mm-hmm. not blow up the best player out there. So just a couple thoughts there, but we'll wrap it up there, Ryan. Again, we just kind of gave final thoughts. Do you have any other final thoughts on the week? No, man. Going to enjoy the rest of this uh, beautiful northern Idaho air and and go hit the course. Beautiful. Well, you have fun. Hit them straight. Make sure you take your dad's money. Enjoy all that. Um, And we will do this again next week, everybody. Make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I am at BD Hendrick, and this was another episode of Bub in the Bloom. Catch you guys next time. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.